Welcome to a thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. Quietly. We just had children singing in the house of the Lord. We should always be thankful for that. Didn't they do an amazing job? Wow. The angels in heaven, I know, are celebrating loudly with that. And I'm thankful that uh, we get to be a part of our Vine fam that does that each and every week as we are in our Christmas series. And as Jeremy shared earlier, when it comes to our Christmas series, next week we will have an online-only message because uh, we take a Sabbath kind of together. We, we kind of have two Sabbaths in winter. We actually don't really Sabbath on this one. We gather together and collectively take our breath, eat a ton of sweets, pray that is zero calorie. And then we get ready for Christmas Eve candlelight, which is going to be, I guess we have deemed it candlelight, communion, and carols. Carol Burnett's going to be here. Is she still alive? Anyway, we're going to have all of that. It's going to be fun. Make sure you come and join us on Christmas Eve at 10 a.m. So as we get ready, all of us have a favorite Christmas movie or character, right? I'm a, I'm, a mix, I'm a mix and match today because I wasn't rocking a bathrobe. I'm a cousin Eddie, uh, Clark W. Griswold, uh, you know, when he cuts the tree down, you know, all that out of the front yard and Margot can't figure out and Todd can't figure out where the water came from. Tough crowd. Anyway, where do we go? Uh, all of us have one. So Christmas vacation fans in the house, right? Home Alone fans. Maybe, maybe the Christmas story. Oh, fudge. <laughs> I said it. They didn't kick us off. Uh, maybe maybe it's not that. Maybe it's Elf. Santa. I know him, right? Like, you know that, right? Wherever you are. Maybe maybe uh, Charlie Brown, right? We got, we got my boy Linus reading Luke 2 and dropping his blanket because he knows his security is in Christ. Maybe it's Miracle on 34th Street and you found out about the great marketing power of Macy's because that's where the Christmas parade came from. Just saying, all the way through, that's where they kind of built their marketing plan with that. You're welcome. Uh, maybe maybe it's, uh, it's a wonderful life. Teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Right, like we've got that one. And the, some of us only know that because that's what the grandpas are watching upstairs in Christmas vacation when they're snoring. You're going to go back and you're going to see it and you're going to be like, oh my goodness. Yes, pray for me. All that to say, maybe we're Jack Skellington. Maybe we like Zero and we're Nightmare Before Christmas. Maybe uh, it's, uh, I'll put some more down, the Santa Claus. Hey, maybe we're old school. We like the Grinch. Maybe we like Burl Ives. So we love Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman. We hear the silver and gold. Like we, we know that wherever you are, whatever it looks like, all of us have it. But what is the one thing they all have in common? Christmas magic, right? Somebody doesn't have Christmas magic in them. They find Christmas magic, and they ask where the Tylenol is. Anyway, they find the Christmas magic, and all of a sudden, Christmas is how it should have been. It's usually chaos everywhere. Christmas is doomed. It's not going to happen. Then Christmas magic fills the villain or the person that has forgotten the, what Christmas is about, and then Christmas is saved. What if that's what we all want? Isn't it something we all want? Is that Christmas magic? Like, we want that world, don't we? Where it all works out at Christmas, where it's just going to be perfect, where evil is overcome with good, where all is made right, and men all dwell in peace and have a good night. We want to sing war is over, but not at New Year's, right? Like, all of us have to understand that Christmas magic. What if instead of dreaming about that and pining for that in our soul, those of us in Christ Jesus know that that world actually exists? Christmas reveals to us that it does exist. Christmas says there is a world where evil is overcome, and this is what Christmas is all about. And so for all of us today, 
That's kind of what we're going to dive into and learn from. Whether you grew up in church or you didn't grow up in church, many of you may have that little calendar that has 25 days. That's called an Advent calendar. And all of us maybe have a little different order. Sometimes if you grew up in a Presbyterian church, they have a different order than the Methodist or the Baptist or the Catholic church. But today is usually the second Sunday of Advent. There are four Sundays of Advent. And it's usually when you light the Bethlehem candle or the faith candle. And that's what we're going to learn through today as we learn and walk through I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Now, I know this is going to be hard for a second, but we got to have some interaction here. We've had a little bit of Christmas story interaction, uh, Christmas movie interaction, Christmas character interaction. I'm Frank in Christmas vacation today. Whatever that is for all of us, I want you to let three people know God's word will never fail. God's word will never fail. Come on, tell somebody. God's word will never fail. God's word will never fail. God's word will never fail. That is what Christmas is about. Because if we believe that God's word will never fail, we will gladly be his servant. But if we don't, we're going to go kicking, screaming, and punching against him. And so we're going to be in the familiar story of Christmas. If you've got your Bible today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read all of it. I'm just kidding. We're not. Very long chapter. When you get there, you're going to be mad if you think that we are. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, we, as always, we have them free for the asking in the back. Many of us uh, follow along on our phone, so you can do that today. Uh, in our Vine Church app, you can download that for free and take notes. But as always, I'm so very thankful. Wherever you're watching around the world throughout the week, the Scripture will be on the screen because our Vine production team makes sure that all of my misspellings are right. Now try to spell the word misspelling and see if you misspell it. I'm just saying, tough one. Anyway, all the way through. So if you got your Bible, let's get to Luke 1. So earlier in Luke 1, we meet this guy and this woman. His name is Zechariah and Elizabeth. And what happens is Gabriel is God's like press secretary. Like he goes up to the podium all the time and, and he gives God's news. And he says, this is the word of God and this is what's going to happen. So he goes to Zechariah who's doing his priestly duties. And I mean like he's Strom Thurmond age, y'all. Like he's old. They ain't got no children. Like it's going to be Tyler's life. Like going to be 90 years old having, having that graduate in high school. Praise God. All the way through, he's going to be doing that. And Gabriel goes to Zechariah and says, the Lord has heard your prayer. You and your wife will have a son. And Zechariah says, how can that be? Have you seen how old I am? And my wife is old too. And we see some Christmas magic because not only does an angel appear, which seems pretty magical, when Zechariah is there, the angel says, because you didn't believe, I'm going to shut you up till the baby's born and you're going to name him John. Now, some of you are waiting for Gabriel to come walking in this uh, auditorium today to shut me up. But all the way through, Zechariah then all of a sudden has that. And his response to the angel is what we talked about a few weeks ago. The angel says, do not be afraid. But you see, Gabriel isn't done. So if you've got your Bible, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 is where we're going to go forward. Gabriel shows up to Mary. And this is what he says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, if I'm following the Lord 
And I think that I'm a pretty big deal, uh, Mr. Anchorman, right? Pretty big deal. I'm going to stop at verse 28. I'm highly favored. That means the Lord's going to give me something. He's going to bless me. Like, I want to stop there. But you see where Mary is, it's like, hey, I know this big blessing's coming, but it's going to require something of me. It's going to test my faith. It's going to require me to be obedient to it. So when she sees the angel, she's greatly troubled and wonders what greeting the angel brings. It goes on in verse 30 to 34 to say this, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. We talked about that. We can rally around that anytime we walk in faith. Those words are going to be spoken. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary's response is the same as Zechariah's here. Verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. You see right here, there are two differences in how Zechariah and Mary asked the question. Zechariah asked the same question just like uh, Sarah did with Abraham, right? Like, I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> and the angel's like, yeah, and I'm going to come back in a year. And you're going to be pregnant with a son. And so God shuts up. Zechariah, but you see, Mary, he's not going to. He's actually, the angel is going to answer her question. See, for many of us right now, maybe we grew up in church when it comes to faith, and we were told that we should never question God. Yet I see all the way through when Jesus in his earthly ministry always answered questions. As a matter of fact, most of his parables were questions that he started with. And so for you today, maybe you're in a rut. Maybe you're trying to follow the Lord. He's called you to obedience. You're taking those next steps. And all of a sudden, you don't know what's happening. You feel stuck. And you're afraid to ask God the question. And I just want to say, he's not afraid of your question. Ask him. What's the worst that can happen? His word isn't true. Don't we know that? We just said God's word will never fail. So we think that he can answer our questions. I mean, he literally spoke and took dirt and made it you and me. He placed the stars in the sky. He got all the planets going around. He, he got to Mars before Elon could. Like, really seriously. Like, he is not afraid of our questions. But the thing is, just like Mary, many times we are afraid and troubled. Do not be afraid. To the skeptic, maybe you're in the house, maybe you're watching online. You got a lot of questions, especially when it comes to this Jesus thing, this Christmas thing. We want to have a lot of conversations. You're going to talk to me about the Druid idea of the tree. You're going to tell me that Jesus is an amalgamation of, of many, different, uh, many different deities. You're going to say he's Osiris, when it comes to Egypt, and that's where the resurrection comes from, and the, the star of David is Cyrus itself, which is called the dog star that reappears all the way through. You're going to give me everyone, and it goes back into mythology, Egyptian and Greek mythology. And I just want to say, man, I'd love to have those conversations with you. I love getting deep into stuff like that. But here's the thing I want to ask you. Is the Bible, or is it not, the most historical book ever written, accurate book ever written? Because it is. 
The Gospel of Luke actually, if you just open your mind if you're a skeptic right now, the Gospel of Luke actually pinpoints ancient cities better than maps. Archaeologists have dug up exactly where Luke says that these cities were, and they can't explain it any other way. But others would say, well, it burned down when the Library of Alexandria went down, where we had all this knowledge, it all went down. But Luke is saying, hey, there's actually something more important here. Because if you're a skeptic today, believe it or not, in that we have historical evidence. When Quirinius was governor of Syria, and Rome sent out a census, and believe it or not, if, if you have this and someone gives this to you, if you're, you're talking with a skeptic, there was a census that was issued between 7 and 8 B.C., And because of that, they're going to tell you, you don't even know when Jesus was born. You can't even get your date right. And I just want to say, we don't have the date right, period. We can't even get our calendar right. We got to have leap years. I didn't read about a leap year in the Bible. I'm just saying, all the way through when we talk about that. But Rome did issue that. And some would say they even had 10 years to complete that census. That should sound very familiar. See, we get our census from Rome. We take a census every 10 years. And so many times, okay, don't get us kicked off. Here we go. You know, I don't get political, so here we go, but I'm going to say this. We think it's for representation, but it's actually the same in the Bible. It's for taxation. It is to know and know what to expect in our taxes. They know that in Spartanburg or in Union, there's X amount of residents, so then of that, there'll be X amount of tax revenue. You're welcome. That being said, that's why Jesus is our salvation. So all of a sudden, I just want to say, if you're a skeptic, lean into Jesus. Here's a question I would say that you could ask God today. Ask him to reveal your hidden self to you in this Christmas season. And be open. Be open to it. How does Mary go on? It says this, the angel isn't scared of her questions. Actually, Gabriel answers them. In verse 35, it says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the son of God. Now, before we go forward, I want you to think of the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and formless. There was darkness over the deep of the land and the spirit of God did what over the waters? Hovered. Can you not see a new heaven and a new earth being born at Christmas? The redemption of man. The Holy Spirit will hover over Mary. Verse 36, I love this. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she's going to have a boy too, so she has have some good hand-me-downs. So like, you're three months behind him. It's going to be great. You're going to have that. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from the God will ever fail. Look at that. And what does Mary respond? I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Christmas magic. Christmas pulls back the curtains and says, hey, there are angels. Hey, there's a the, the God that is real. There's a, a, a heavenly father that exists. There's a Holy Spirit that exists. There are miracles, impossible things made possible that exist and that Jesus exists. As a matter of fact, Christmas pulls back the curtain and says there is a prince of peace, a king of kings who has come to rescue his bride destined for death without him. And I don't know about you, we should get excited about that. That's a story I want to be a part of. Like something being rescued, like it's so much better than Liam Deeson talking about, I have special skills. God didn't say, I got special skills and I will find you. He said, I'm going to come get you. 
That's what Christmas is all about. That's what we get to share, Christ coming to us, God being with us. It's almost like Santa in that Eminem commercial. Not the Eminem rapper. We'll get to that later. But, you know, when, when he passes out and the Eminems are there, they're like, he does exist. And he's like, they do exist. And, like, he passes out, like, and then the Hershey Kiss Bell commercial comes on after that. Don't act like y'all don't watch TV. Y'all got to wake up this morning. I'm sorry. Y'all know my brain goes all the way through. What Christmas does is it pulls back the curtain. It says there's more than what our eyes can see. And church, we call that faith. We call that faith. See, Mary models what it's like to follow in faith. Did she have all the answers? All she knew is she was going to get pregnant. Do you think if she knew that whole story, she would follow through with it? I wouldn't have. I would, if I was Joseph, I wouldn't have wanted to follow through with it. Just think of the embarrassment. Because here's what I want to say as, before we move forward. How many do we hear? How do we? Where's Mary's mother and father? Do you hear their name or hear about them in the story? How about Joseph's? Do you think they were rejected by their family because of this teenage pregnancy? I think it's tough. But you see, they continue to follow in obedience. And what do I mean by that? We talked about obedience the other week because faith and obedience go hand in hand. But this is what I love how Mary models it is she just follows step by step. She doesn't have all the answers. She just takes one step at a time. And that's all that we have to do. Like, like that old hymn, come on, we, we, we grew up with it in church. What is it, have thine own way, Lord? That's what Mary's singing right now. She's ready to go. He is the potter, we are the clay, right? Mold me and make me after thy will. That's where she is going. She's saying, hey, I'm your servant, Lord. I don't know what, but I know on my own, if you have showed up and you want to do something, I want to be a part of it. Goes on to this, say this in verse 39 to 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is this child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. Parents of Vine kids, that's what they're learning today. Luke 1, you can do this. Basically, they're actually going through a lot of the scripture today. And I love how the Lord lines that up where we can have a conversation about it in here and you can have a conversation with your Vine kids on the way home about it. But look at this. Don't miss what's happening here. Mary goes to the hill, goes, uh, to the hill country of Judea from where she is in Nazareth. It's about 100 miles away. What is that, Columbia for us? Does that sound right? About Columbia, something like that. Don't miss why she did it. We don't hear about her parents because this was the last ditch effort of her parents to prevent her from being stoned for a teenage pregnancy out of wedlock. So she probably takes this trip in fear, but instead she's greeted with faith. She sees Elizabeth. Like I imagine if I'm Mary and I'm in that like, yeah, Gabriel, you told me she's pregnant, but I ain't seen her in a minute. So let me go see if she really is pregnant because if she's walking in faith with it, it's easier for me to walk in faith. Church, isn't that what we do? If I see your faith, man, it strengthens my faith. And then we can do it together. Like Jeremy was sharing during the welcome today and welcoming everyone in. Like we can't do it individually, but together, 
together we can be a part of it. And that's what Mary is doing here with Elizabeth. And this is what we have to understand. I think we dove into it a little bit Thursday, so forgive me for repeating myself, but it's okay. Sometimes we need to hear it from the Lord twice, or if you're like me, it has to be a hundred times. Hard-headed, pray for me. So that being said, the Old Testament, Paul talks about it as the mystery. The New Testament is the revelation. What is the mystery? The mystery is God's promise is he would dwell in his people. Jesus is the revelation of how God can dwell in his people who are eternally separated from him in sin. And it is by God's spirit living within us. All of a sudden we see Mary is now pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is in her. She greets Elizabeth who has the Holy Spirit. And now listen to this. This is what I love about the Bible. If you say that, oh, it's just outdated and it doesn't matter. Women are mentioned most here at the Christmas story who were rejected by most of society at this time. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit, it talks about being on Mary and Elizabeth first. So they too are the revelation. They, they are seeing God's promise being fulfilled. The Holy Spirit of God is within them. This is what they read about in the Old Testament. This is what they prayed for. This is what they advented for. This is what they longed for, the Spirit of God to be in them. And all of a sudden, here it is. The Spirit of God is found in them on this first Christmas. Because God's word will never fail. So let's dive into this. I've got 17 points. We got two hours left, so we're good. Thank you. We need a new Christmas tree so if somebody could get the chainsaw and cut one down. A lot of sap, little full, ready to go. Watch out for the squirrel. That being said, let me ask you this about your faith, for real. Do you feel and live your faith or do you just think about it? It'd be easy for Mary to think about her faith. But let me ask you, could she have stopped that pregnancy? She had to live it. Same is true for you and I. Do we just think about our faith or do we live it? See, what I mean by this is when this encounter happens, I'll, oh man, I get excited about it. When this encounter happens with Elizabeth and Mary, they're joyfully following the Lord step by step, passionately doing it. So much so, like Elizabeth is speaking blessings over Mary, and Mary probably came scared to death. Like, oh, like what if she got there and Elizabeth wasn't pregnant after Gabriel said that? Like, could you imagine the fear and doubt? Like, she's tearing up the house looking for the baby. I don't hear her cry. What the heck's going on? Like, all of a sudden, though, now Elizabeth says, who am I that I should be favored to see the mother of the Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah? And she speaks the blessing of Mary's faith before Jesus has even showed up. And she, she goes into a worship song. And so for each and every one of us, here's what I, I get excited. Here's where, where I say with this. So uh, a long time ago, it's someone who has actually gone to be with the Lord. So I'll share this. She's smiling down. Angel in heaven at this moment in time. I know she is. She was at Temple Uni uh, Independent, excuse me, Methodist. And her name is Donna Prophet. And when we launched, one of the things we ask here at The Vine, one of the questions we ask on social media is, what's the thing you love about Christmas the most? She said, Christmas carols. Because people who don't know Jesus sing the gospel to themselves and they don't even realize it. Ain't that something? Now, I want you to think of what you're going to hear on your radio today. We love to sing some Christmas carols, even, even in stations that would never have it. And how funny is it how, how the world has tried to still hijack that and take your hope from Christmas? So much so the disappointment of Christmas morning quickly gives way to New Year's Day so you can start something new. 
you know, I gained 80 pounds at Christmas, so I'm going to lose 100 in the next month, and if I don't like it, then I'll quit it by, by the Super Bowl, right? Or Tyler's birthday, whatever that is. Wherever you are, like that's where it is. How much noise and chaos is in the world today with just Christmas music? But you see, a Christmas carol isn't. It gives us hope. It shows what's happening. As a matter of fact, Elizabeth is singing in a carol. She is praising God in church. What I want us to know is even though we may sound like a beagle howling out of tune when it comes to our worship, I want to tell you your and my worship is not useless noise. As a matter of fact, our worship is the story of Christ at Christmas the world needs to hear. It's that important. Wherever you are today, when you see that, we should be praising God. Like when we're following in faithful obedience, we don't do it grudgingly. We don't give this heart for the house offering. We'll talk about that in a minute. Grudgingly because, God, he won't shut up talking about it if I don't do it. That's not how we do it. We give it cheerfully. See, what I love with Elizabeth here is, as I always think of Christmas, here we go. So I love, we sing this song a lot of times. Uh, we've worshiped together with it, the Revelation song. You see it in Revelation 4. Revelation 4, it's not. Revelation 4, uh, where, where the elders and the saints are at the throne of the Lamb of God, and they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and was and is to come, right? Was and is and is to come. I'm sorry, got it wrong. But there we go. You know what I mean. Even at Christmas, we sing Agnes Day, right? Like, we sing that. And wherever you are, I don't care if you can't sing, I don't care what you can do. When, they, when all of a sudden you, you, you get from that hallelujah to the Lord God Almighty reigns, when that holy, holy comes out, how John the Baptist leaped in that womb, your heart will leap. I mean, I'm telling you, if you can't get fired up about that, I don't care if you sound like a beagle. I mean, it, it'll get you jacked up. Like every year you hear that at Christmas. There are Christmas carols we have, Christmas carols. We just got to sing Christmas carols. We'll even sing today here in just a little bit. But our worship, regardless of how much we think it doesn't sound well, is the story that this world needs to hear to drown out the chaos and the noise of false hope of people stuck in disappointment because they aren't taking faithful next steps. So really quick, how can we clearly... Get the story of Christ out this Christmas. How can we clearly help doing that? Well, we live out our faith, and there are two questions I want you to consider when it comes to our faith really quickly and with our time we have left together. Number one is this. Would you believe anything God says is true even if you don't like it? Would you believe anything God says is true even if you don't like it? I'm pretty sure Mary may not have liked that. If I'm honest with you, Zachariah may not have liked it. He's like, dude, I got to wear knee braces to do my priestly duties. Well, how in the world am I going to chase a toddler? Like, what in the world? And they had cloth diapers then, y'all. Like, didn't even have a hose for water. They just brought them into the sanctuary. I'm terrible. I'm going to say that. Just bathe them right there in the temple. It is what it is. Just got to clean them off, right? But would you and I believe anything God says is true if we don't like it? That's a measure of our faith. The second measure of our faith is this. Would you receive anything from God even if you don't understand it? I wish I could tell you I'd say yes to both of those questions all the time, but I don't. I can't. I'm honest. I'm a human. 
Sometimes it's real easy to believe God's word is true, even if I don't like it, but then I got to receive it. You mean as a teenager, I'm pregnant, I have to carry this child. You mean as an old man, I'm going to have this child. You mean that I'm supposed to go to this place and see these people that I'm not supposed to, that I would not associate with otherwise, but I'm supposed to go out in the street and feed them. I'm supposed to go into the prison and see them and support them. Like I'm supposed to do that. Sometimes I'd be like, whoa, whoa, Lord, (laughs) you got the wrong person. I know Gabriel was looking for Tyler. He down the road, dog. It's somebody else. He's down two houses down. Go knock on that door. It ain't me. But see, this is a measure of our faith. Mary and Joseph, just like Abraham and God calling him out into that promise to pitch his tent in a land that he has not laid his feet in for his descendants that he hadn't even seen or held in his hand. They step in faith. Step in faith to Bethlehem. Because Christmas shows us we all have faith in something. We want that Christmas magic, right? Now, you may say, I don't have faith in anything. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in anything. And I'd say, you do have faith. You got faith in yourself then. You got faith. You're going to figure it out. That's faith. See, when we talk about faith and obedience going hand in hand, the reason that they go hand in hand is because if I believe this is true, then it should cause me to act. But you see, when we talk about disobedience, it's still faith. It's not faith that God's word will never fail. Disobedience is faith that God's word will fail. So for us today, maybe you know someone who is stuck in a cycle. Maybe they're, they seem to be going all the way through and they're stuck in, and, and maybe this is you. You're in circles of obedience. Maybe you, are, you keep going into this destructive pattern and this destructive habit and you know that you shouldn't be doing it and yet you keep going back and forth to it over and over again and you're stuck and you can't figure out why. Well, today I wanna help you because as we, we, we can't grow in the Lord if we're not taking next steps in him. And so as we follow in faithful obedience, we call that sanctification church. That's that big churchy word, Right? But you're stuck in disobedience in circles. Maybe you know someone who's an addict. Maybe you know someone, I learned this in grief counseling way back in the day, decades ago. I'm getting old now. It is what it is. Uh, I'm thankful that I get to get old, but I'm getting old. Um, And it's this, and this word, if you're taking notes, this is something you're not going to see it on the screen, but I want to help you. This word is halt, H-A-L-T, halt. If you are stuck, uh, for me, uh, addicts learn it this way. I don't know where it is in the 12 steps. I'll be honest with you. I just know it from grief counseling. My grief or depression is the highest when I have halt. Here we go. You ready? If I'm hungry, if I'm angry, if I'm lonely, and if I'm tired, That is when my grief or depression will be the worst. And that is why I'm supposed to halt and reach out to someone. For anyone who's an addict, that is the truth. Your sobriety is most at risk when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, and they tell the addict to call their sponsor at that time. And so for you, maybe you're in this cycle of disobedience and you look back on your life and you're like, yeah, I'm hungry. I know I shouldn't eat this, but man, it's hot now. Yeah, we're going to get up in there two boxes. A free dozen? Amen. Praise Jesus' name. I'm going to give a box to the homeless man over there. It is what it is. I'm going to take one to the house, though. It ain't even going to make it in the door. Praise Jesus' name. Like, that's where we are. If you're angry, if you're frustrated, if you're angry, all of a sudden, then, uh, then the disobedience just comes. Man, I can put some four-letter, I don't, man, mm, pray for me. I can put some four-letter words together sometimes, y'all. And that's before I even got out of bed. But that being said, that's after I prayed. When you're lonely, when you're lonely, it's on that cycle. I'm just going to put it 
out there because it's, it's a tough thing, but it's the truth. Anyone who's gone through recovery or sobriety will always tell you, addicts are always found dead alone. Not with the people that they thought they were partying with. They're always alone. Or you're tired. Parents with children, I don't know how you do it. You're constantly tired, I'm sure. And it's their disobedience driving you insane, I'm sure. But it will cause you to disobey. And so when you have that moment, I want to challenge you with this. Maybe it's not phone a friend when you hit halt. Maybe it's not go after a sponsor. But what if you took another four-letter word when it comes to halt in your life, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? What if you just pray? What if you just pray? Because God's word will never fail. He will never give us more than we can handle, right? But what if you just pray? So now how can each and every one of us, instead of being in those destructive paths, be like Elizabeth here, like, like Agnes Day in this holy, holy moment, just all of a sudden leaping for joy? How can we turn it into joy? Well, just like that Christmas character finds that magic, we know the world is searching for the mag- magic of Christmas, but we are showing them the Christ of Christmas because that's what they need. They don't need the magic of Christmas. They don't need to go to the island of misfit toys to figure it out. They don't need Mr. Shirley showing up in his bow and Cousin Eddie kicking him in the yard. or They don't need the, the crapper, <clears throat> about said it, be full out in the front yard. They don't need to say, oh, fudge, for it to happen. They don't need to triple dog Daria, and they don't need to have a beautiful leg lamp in the front of the house to be able to find Christmas magic. They just need Christ. And church, our faith shows them Christ clearly. Well, go back to those questions. Would you believe anything God says is true, even if you don't like it? And would you receive anything from God, even if you don't understand it? How do we do it? We give of our time, our talent, and our treasure. I'm going to bring up a reference that many may know, not know, but it's okay. And that's probably not the best way to preference it. But how many of us have ever seen a penalty kick in soccer? Right. We're good. The big green. That's about all I know about soccer. But anyway, all the way through. You'll look it up. It's a Disney movie. It's a funny one. Uh, all the way through. Um, so when there's a penalty kick that happens, I want to give you some statistics when it comes to taking that shot. When the penalty shot happens for someone and they're standing in front of that goalie, see a goalie, they're so close, the kicker is so close to the goalie that they have to make a predetermined decision. They can't react fast enough to cover the whole goal to go get the ball. So they, have, they just have to have an educated guess. And so here's the, the statistics. 56% of the time, the goalie goes left. Why? Because they're dealing with a right-footed kicker most of the time, okay? So the goalie will go left. Their first thing is to jump left 56% of the time. They jump right 42% of the time. So now all my math wizards are in here, and you're adding up the numbers. 56 and 42 equals what? 98. 2% of the time does the goalie stand dead center. How many penalty kicks are dead center? Barely any. Statistically, only two out of 100 times, if you just took the ball and kicked it right down the middle, would you be stopped? Yet we go for the corners. We got to bend it like Beckham. We got to go like we got to have the crazy awesome thing. And why is it that we do that? Our pride. And our pride helps us and leads us to disobedience because we would rather be wrong and celebrated than right and look stupid. So we're going to kick to the corners. Same goes with following Jesus. 
We know the answer is right there. It's right in front of us. It's dead center. Christ is the center of us. We like to go over here. It's not as pretty, Lord. It don't have the froof. It don't have the, the floofy floof. It don't have, it don't have the pizzazz. It don't, have the, it don't have the Billy Graham effect of it. And I just want to tell you, there was only one Billy Graham because that's what God intended. We ain't supposed to be. So when it comes to your obedience, I just want to ask you, are you willing to take the kick? See, to the world, they would come in here and say, hey, Vine Church, we've been around six years. I think this is, uh, we're coming up on the seventh Christmas. It's weird how we did that, but we had a Christmas before our first year. So we're coming up to the seventh Christmas, and you would say, hey, man, how is your faithful obedience? You're putting tarps down. You're standing on a rug, and there are chairs on that tarp. You still don't have a building. Would you say you're successful in the Lord? How is your obedience and your faith paying off? That's what the world would say. There are even churches that say that. I'm just going to be honest with you. They'll just be like, hey, are you, you ain't got a building yet? And I just laugh because I, I didn't, I, I missed where God said that we had to build a temple again. I thought we were his temple, but we won't, we won't open that wound. You know what our faithful obedience has got in this house? 23 salvations, four baptisms, 265 plus thousand dollars sown into global missions and a vine fam here that hungers and thirsts for the Lord that don't care about taking up an offering about a building. We just want to be a part of him building his kingdom through us, which is what the heart for the house offering is about. It would be really easy for us to take that and go build a building and it'll be a great building. You know what'll happen in 30 years? Every dang thing on that building would fall apart because we wouldn't care about it because we just cared about the building and we would just leave it neglected until we go find the next one. You see, here we make room for the Lord. And so that's why I'm so thankful to be here. I'm thankful for all of our sowers' faithful obedience of giving of their time, their talent, and their treasure because we're going to support Operation Christmas Child. Children, we're never going to see. I don't know about you. I'm sunburning right now. It's hot with his hat on. I'm My freckles, I'm sunburning from the lights on me. I'm not going to be going to Africa unless Jesus tells me to. There ain't enough SPF. He's going to have, my suitcase will literally be SPF 1,000 sunscreen. That's all I need because that ain't going to have, I'm not even going to get off the plane without being peeling and sunburned. But Operation Christmas Child, it's the gospel to them. Hope Center for Children, there are children who are in foster care that have gone through absolute neglect and abuse. 16-year-old children will not be placed in a home. Got a house for them. They got a room. They actually help them get into college. They help them get into a trade school. So they have a successful life and aren't lonely and forgotten. Jumpstart ministry, we get to support with our heart for the house offering. As we give to them, we literally get to go into the prisons. Let me, I'll say it to you this way, and it made me think about our faithful obedience and how I'm thankful we get to give because we are helping people who get to go there. Really all over the United States. We only think of it in South Carolina, but I think it's four states, five states they're in now. Five states, five states they're in the prison. How many of us would have joy going to a prison? Hard stuff, isn't it? And God has gifted people in the prison to reach the prison. And so we get to support that. We get to support here at the YMCA, the capital campaign, children who couldn't afford to go and have an after-school program here, who couldn't afford tutoring and teaching classes, who couldn't afford summer. Actually, most of the children here, the number one thing they teach at the Y is how to swim because most children don't know how to swim. And I don't know about you, but that's a big thing. It's a really big deal to know how to swim. Because sometimes in life, you're going to find yourself in a situation, because as a kid, if there's a pool, I'm jumping in. Who cares? Like, you're going head first. I don't care. Maybe you're chasing a McDonald's boat, and everybody freaks out, and you just float to the top. 
how I learned how to, anyway, we won't open that. We'll share that story another day. Olivia laughs because she remembers that day. Uh, Anywho, um, that's how I swam in the deep end, y'all. I just jumped in after my McDonald's toy. So all the way through, uh, when it comes to that, we get to celebrate that. We get to, to support Believe Outreach and Invisible Homeless Ministries. Where they're going to actually give tennis shoes to homeless people actually feed them weekly. If they see a familiar face, they're, they're here in Spartanburg, and they build a relationship. And, and they know that they can't save them. We can't save them, but we can point them to the Savior. And so when it comes to that, for each and every one of us, those are who we get to support. And so for all of us, the reason I love this is we talk about the life of a sower, and Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7, when he says that those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, but those who sow bountifully will sow bountifully, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul is saying we're not supposed to give out of vain conceit or compulsion. That is why I don't stand up here and talk to you about a percentage. We don't talk to you about a number because you know why? I believe that limits God. God may call you to give 2%, trust him with it. God may call you to give 50%, trust him with it. That's not to me to say. So for all of us, as we walk in faithful obedience, I hope we understand that as we do that, we are helping the world spur on their faith for Christ. Because we are showing them to live like Christ isn't about not doing bad things, it's being more Christ-like and doing things. And church, that's sanctification, and it only happens through faith. See, see, the life of Christ in this world we live in, there are going to be many ends that will not make room for us. But those who live in faith to Christ say, that's okay, because I'm not following my voice. I'm following God's voice. And I know, as we just said, God's word will not fail. So wherever you are today, as we wrap up, many of us today, we celebrate Christian, or Christmas as a tradition. And the world is doing that. And if we get another 364 days and another revolution around the sun, you will get to celebrate a Christmas tradition again. But for those of us who are in Christ, we get Christmas every day because of faith and who he says he is, because he lives in us. We get to treat every day like a gift. So let me ask you really quickly, if you are in Christ and it comes to faithful obedience, what's the next step he's calling you to take? I can't tell you what it is, but I will tell you to trust him. Jesus did that. Mary did that. Joseph did that. All throughout the Old Testament, saints do that. The disciples, the apostles, they all do that. Maybe he's calling you to give. Trust him with it. Don't worry about the number. Don't worry about what it is. If it's $1, trust him. Just trust him. See what he does with it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's to join the local church. Maybe you watch online every week and you say, man, that dude looks awful. He needs some help because he's wearing a grumpy old men hat and a Christmas vacation shirt. And he looks like uh, cousin Frankenstein, Eddie. So that being said, we'd love to see your smiling face. Maybe it's to join the local church somewhere near you. Maybe it is to start praying. Maybe it is to ask God questions that you're struggling with. Maybe it is to get into community. Maybe it's to start your own group. Maybe it's to, to get with like-minded individuals. Maybe, maybe, just maybe today, instead of doing that, Your next step is to have faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And you may say, I can't have faith in Christ because I don't have all my questions answered. I'm not 100% certain that Jesus is who he says he is. I I, I don't have the evidence of it. Therefore, I can't have faith. And I just want to ask you, if that's where you're struggling, how many of us today are going to go to a red light when we leave this place? 
every one of us, we're going to pull out of this parking lot. And if you say you can only move forward if you have 100% faith that everything is going to work out and all your questions are answered, do you have faith when your light turns green that the two red lights won't T-bone you? And you would say, of course, because they follow the rules, right? But you see, I would say, no, you don't. Yet you continually go through red light after red light after red light without any problem. But the very creator of the universe, the God of the universe, the savior of the world has come for you and I to save us and rescue us from the death that sin left us in. And you don't want to have a mustard seed faith because you're not 100% on who he is. And I would tell you, Jesus welcomes that. Lean into him. See who he is. Today isn't about knowing what faith is. It's our response to what that faith is. Christmas shows us what our faith is in or what is the center of us. And the question is, is it you or is it Jesus? We're about to pray here in a moment, but Paul reminds us of this when it comes to this faith. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says, if you, excuse me, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. It's both. It is faith. It's not the faith of this prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. Excuse me. It's the faith of this prayer. We pray it together every week, and you hear me say it all the time. And I just want to say, don't take it as noise. Those who are in Christ Jesus, this is what we share. Those who don't know Jesus and are considering him today, we're going to pray as a family together for the benefit of those coming to faith for the first time. And what are we praying? Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, making us righteous, being able to knock on the door of God's house. Then Jesus, instead of just saying we have to continually sacrifice to step into God's house to be in his presence, Jesus made an eternal sacrifice for us once and for all, paying the penalty for our sins on the cross. But then he didn't stay dead. He left an empty tomb and rose again on the third day, not just so that we could step into God's house, but we could sit at God's table and live a life of purpose and be exactly who we were created to be. All it takes is faith that he is who he says he is. And so today, would you pray out loud these words as we pray them together as a vine family for those who are coming to benefit of faith for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life, the best way I know how. And whether you're watching online or you're in the house, I'm gonna ask you to boldly raise your hand that for the first time you have given your life to Christ. On the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. And for the first time, you have had faith that Jesus is who he says he is. You don't have your faith in this world, in a, in a car, in a career, and a Christmas present under a tree, in a tree itself. Instead, you trust the Savior who hung on the tree for us. 
If you're watching or listening throughout the week, you can go to thevine.tv slash respond. You may see a comment that's under there. We would love to celebrate this decision with you. And the reason that we want to do it is just like Elizabeth leaped for joy and spurred Mary on in her faith. We want to spur you on in your faith as you trust Jesus because this isn't the finish line. This isn't just insurance against hell. This is a starting block for you to be all that you were created to be. And for the rest of us, you can stand as as we get ready to to worship together. I just want to say maybe the next step God's called you to do this, this year is to share your faith in Christ with someone who needs it. See, we get to share this, oh, holy night, this, this peace that we have, this holy, holy, holy that we get to share. It's too important not to share with the world. There's a world dying, going to hell today because they put their faith in everything but the Christ of Christmas. And so right now, maybe you've got something hurtling, standing in between you and Christ. Would you lay it down as we sing together? Would you stand and sing?
not so much here or here, but you know, if I go down on that sled and it's right here, you know, gonna put a dent in my head. Anyway, you know, it's just uh, so much here. Sorry. Anyways, hope you have an awesome week. I'm supposed to put one ear down because that's what he had. I hope I had an awesome week wherever you are. Uh, and we hope to see you, if not next week, at our Sower's Christmas gathering. The following week for Christmas Eve, communion, carols, candlelight, fire, uh, real wine for the fire. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's going to be fun. We're going to celebrate the name of Jesus. And I hope that we go out and live the life of faith that points others to Jesus and all that we do. We hope you have an awesome week. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.